Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. So today we are going to be talking about childhood wounds showing up in the present and how to move through them. So if you are listening to this on the pod, hello, hello, or on YouTube, hello, or on Instagram, hello. (laughs) Let's take a breath to settle in. So get settled in your chair. Maybe put your hand over your heart if that feels good for you. Just take a deep breath in and release. Noticing anywhere that you're holding tension right now. So I just noticed my calf was like squeezing. So I'm going to relax that. And just taking another deep breath in. Just allowing your body to fully relax in this present moment. Noticing any sounds or distractions. I hear my little mini dishwasher going and I find it really soothing. So I'm just listening to that. Tasting my smoothie in my mouth. Noticing if you can smell anything or hear anything. Just engaging the senses. Noticing what you can touch. Maybe your shirt or a fuzzy blanket or a hot cup of tea or any jewelry. I'm touching my mom's ring right now, which brings me some comfort. And then noticing any thoughts. And as each thought comes up, you're going to imagine placing it on a cloud in the sky or on a leaf on a stream and just watching it float away. You know, you can always come back to it if you need to. And then refocusing on your breath. And noticing any body sensations, getting into the body, noticing any areas of tension or tightness. Doing a quick body scan, relaxing your brow line, your jaw, your shoulders, your heart, your chest, your abdomen, the base of your spine. Noticing any tension in your legs or toes or fingers or arms. And sending an intentional breath into any part of the body that needs it most right now. And then noticing any emotions that need to come up, any stored, stuck, old, or stagnant emotion, maybe some historical emotion, or any new or raw emotion, and just allowing space for any and all feelings to come to the surface. And then noticing any resistance. Any urge to move or fidget or numb or distract or avoid. Noticing your mind trying to pull you out of the body and deepening your breath to get back in. And 
Now together, let's take three long deep breaths. So placing your hands on your heart, your abdomen, or your legs, whatever feels best for you. Breathing all the way in. Holding at the top and release. And again, breathing all the way in. Holding at the top and release. And again, breathing all the way in. Holding at the top and release. Always having your exhale be longer than your inhale when we're trying to ground. And just allowing your breath to return back to its natural rhythm. Taking any small organic movement to gently wake the body up, maybe some neck rolls or some side stretches or anything that your body is needing. And when you are ready, you can come back and let me know how that felt for you in the comments. Ah, that felt good. All right. So we are going to dive right in. So how do we know when something that's coming up in the present is historical or present? We are always relating to the present either through historical, so childhood wounding and pain and trauma, or we're relating to the present through the present for what it actually is through our adult selves. So sometimes it can feel really confusing of what is what. And so I'm hoping to break that down for you a little bit more today. So when we are children, we all experience relational trauma. So you might be listening to this and saying, but I don't have trauma. I don't, I wasn't in a war. I wasn't assaulted. I wasn't, you know, um, uh, in a car accident. I didn't have anything major to ha happen to me. That is called big T trauma. We all have little T trauma, which is relational wounding. So anyone that was born into this world, which the world is a bit traumatizing out there, we all have trauma to unpack. I hear a lot of people who tell me, but I don't have anything to unpack. And I'm like, you don't think you do consciously, but your body will say otherwise. So if you've ever gotten triggered, meaning if you've ever had an activation happening in your body, a visceral reaction in your body, that is little you, that is historical. So even if you consciously believe you had the best childhood in the world, you had the best, most loving parents, that is absolutely true. And none of us were properly attuned to a thousand percent of the time because our parents are only human. So it is our job to reparent little us and process the stored pain in our body so that we can actually relate to the present through the present. So a little self-disclosure, this is something that I have been working on for nearly the past almost two years. And each time something historical comes up in the present, it gets a little bit easier to move through. So what do I mean by easier? 
It doesn't feel easier. It feels incredibly painful, which is why most of the time when people get triggered, they just react, they just respond. It's so strong. It's so hardwired. It's so habitual that you don't even think twice about it. But the first step is awareness. And when you have that awareness, you are able to move through things in a different way. And it sets you free from your own wounding that keeps you trapped. So I've been sitting with a lot of historical pain this week. It does not mean that it gets any easier when you feel pain, because pain will always be painful. That's kind of the whole point. <laughs> but it allows you to move through it in a way where you feel safer to be with the pain. So this week when I was getting triggered with historical pain, I was aware of, oh, I know where this is coming from. I know what's actually happening in the present. I feel safe. I know that I'm safe. And I just have to be with this pain. Whereas before, when I would get triggered and activated, I would feel the pain and the pain would make me feel unsafe. It would make me feel like my body was in the past when this historical pain first developed, when I was a child, where my survival was dependent on other people. And that feels terrifying to have your survival be dependent on someone other than you, which is why childhood can be some of the happiest times in our lives. And it can also be the scariest times in our lives. And usually for all of us, it's a little bit of both, right? When we're children, we have this carefree spirit of like, we're not aware of all the shit that can happen in the world. We don't have as much fear. We're just like living our best lives, just playing, being super present. And there are times where if we were not emotionally attuned to, it can feel really scary of, am I going to get my needs met? So when I say needs, you can think of it as like three categories. One, we have our physical needs. We have food, water, shelter, clothing, education, all the things. But then we also have emotional needs. So we need a, attunement. We need our parent to be able to be in tune with how we're feeling. So if baby cries, mom or dad shows that they see the baby is crying and that they're tending to them. Baby's happy. Parent sees that baby's happy and they mirror that back. So they are in tune with how you are feeling. The third need is authenticity. So this concept of authenticity versus attachment comes from Dr. Gabor Mate. He talks about how authenticity and attachment are two essential needs. We need to be able to be our authentic self because if not, we're living out of alignment and that breeds disease and sickness and mental illness and physical illness and emotional illness and financial illness and so on and so forth. But what happens when those two needs conflict? When your need for authenticity and your need for attachment conflict, meaning let's say your authentic self wants to play with the Barbie, but you're a boy and your parent is like, oh, boys don't play with Barbies. So they force a truck instead of a Barbie. I'm thinking about the Friends episode, if you guys have seen that one with Ross and Ben and the, 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 the Barbie. 
So what happens when those two conflict and your authentic self comes out and it's not accepted, maybe it's judged, maybe it's corrected, maybe it's criticized, and you then have to choose attachment because you need that parent, the one who's maybe pushing a Barbie or maybe who's telling you to play soccer instead of basketball or who's telling you not to cry when you actually need to cry. You have to choose them because you're dependent on them for survival. So then you repress your authenticity. So then we grow up as adults and so much of our authentic selves are repressed. So for me, it turns out that I have some anger. Who knew? And I had been repressing this anger and I never viewed myself as an angry person. I was like, there are a few certain topics that make me really angry that I was aware about, but most of the time I view myself as this really happy person. And that's because there was a lot of shit that was being repressed. Now, yes, in my nature, do I have the zest for life? Do I appreciate life? Am I grateful for life? Do I consider myself happy most of the time? Sure. And there was a lot that was being repressed. So we grow up. We have to get in touch with our authentic self, but we first have to build internal safety to actually feel safe to connect with our authentic self. So bringing this back to triggers in the present, when you are in the present moment, something happens, someone says something to you at work, your partner snaps at you and you're hypervigilant to their emotions. You see something that makes you jealous. You um, have just like a weird interaction with a friend, whatever it is, something happens. So this is called the trigger, the prompting event, as we call it in the DBT world, the prompting event that triggers an emotion. When you are responding to something just from the present, you are going to have normal human emotions. You may feel angry, you might feel jealousy, you might feel sadness, you might feel joy. You're going to respond with normal human emotions because you are human. In the present moment, we are human, right? The difference is, oh, that happened and I feel a little sad about it. Or, oh, that happened and I feel a little jealous. Or that happened, I'm feeling some guilt, right? Like you're able to notice the emotion. You're able to be with the emotion. Maybe a little bit of it is, a little bit of it is familiar. Like, oh, I've, I've tended to feel jealous or guilty or sad around the same topic before. But for the most part, it's just, oh, okay. I can just be with this emotion. And I want to clarify that Essentially, everything could be categorized as historical because our reactions to everything is based on our whole life experiencing, right? Like our whole upbringing, childhood, our whole experience leading up to the present moment. So you can argue that everything is a little bit mixed in historical, but I'm talking about the difference between oh, this emotion's coming up, it feels maybe a little bit familiar versus I am triggered. My nervous system thinks it's in the past. I am activated. So this looks like feeling strong physical sensations in your body when this happens. So someone says something and your chest immediately contracts like this, like it feels super tight, like it's in a ball. 
And it feels like you can't just allow yourself to breathe fully. Noticing when your breath gets shortened, noticing when your heart starts pounding fast, noticing when a pit in your stomach, like that drop feeling of like, oh, my stomach, that just gut-wrenching feeling. So when you have this trigger from the past, that means that something historical is being triggered and activated. So I'll give you an example. For me, I wrote about this in my post last night. My mom suffered greatly from a deep, deep fear of abandonment, deep, deep anxious attachment, and some borderline histrionic narcissist cocktail combo of some cluster B symptoms. And in order for her to feel safe, she needed to be with a partner. She could not be alone. Even living alone was a big like step of progress for her towards the end of her life. She was living separately from her partner. And even that was like a big deal for her. This was, I mean, at the time I didn't know this, but since learning about all this, I now know that that was her inner child not feeling safe. So she got her needs met through always having her safety be dependent on her partner. Because her safety was dependent on her partner, that means that she was not always able to make me feel safe. So let's say this is the family tree and we have the two parents. In my case, I had basically like three parents. I had my mom, her partner, because she was with women after she and my dad divorced. So my stepmom and then my dad. And so going back and forth, I would go to mom and stepmom's house and dad's house. And then below that were me, my brother and my sister. So when I was a child, I needed to feel that secure attachment to her, but because her focus was getting her needs met here, I felt a little bit neglected and not attuned to here. And so then that's where my anxious attachment developed. She was busy looking for her needs to be met. I was then as a result, looking for her, for my needs to be met. And this is how generational cycles of trauma and attachment wounding continue. So if I was not doing the work to heal my anxious attachment and my deep fear of abandonment, and I had a child today, let's say a child just pop out of me right now, I would still be looking outside of myself for my needs to be met. And so even if I was doing the best I possibly could to take care of my baby, I would still not be able to fully feel safe in my own body to properly attune to that baby. This is no one's fault, yet it is our responsibility to heal it because once we know better, we do better, right? So my mom didn't know any of this. And, you know, to some extent, yes, she probably could have done more to feel better in her body. And this is so normalized, right? External saving, that external validation seeking, external um, you know, behaviors that make us feel safe. I mean, look at the world we live in. We live in a world where watching TV and binging TV all weekend is normal. We live in a world where going out to the bars and getting drunk all day on a Saturday is normal. We live in a world where people getting chronic illness at a young age and even an old age is normal. We look at all of these things that happen in society. And this goes back to, if you haven't read Dr. Gabor Mate's book, The Myth of Normal, he talks all about this. 
none of it is actually normal. It's all a trauma response. And I use the word normal very lightly because I don't even believe like what is normal. I believe in, in adaptive and um, what's serving you versus what's not serving you and feeling how you want to feel in life and living how you want to live. So when you get triggered in the present moment, and you have that visceral reaction and it feels so strong. Like if you don't get your needs met in that moment, you're going to die. That's little you. So because I had this wounding from my mom where it was always fighting for her attention, it felt like I was always competing with her partner for her attention. I never felt like this full unconditional, like I am, I am here. I got you. And that felt really unsafe for me. That in combination with being really sick as a baby, it led to this deep fear of abandonment. So in the present day, when I feel like I'm not chosen, when I feel like I'm second to someone else, when I feel like my needs or preferences or desires are not heard or prioritized or met, it triggers this deep wound in me of, I mean, ultimately it all goes back to fear of abandonment, right? Like if this person can't meet my needs, I'm going to be abandoned, right? But in adulthood, we can't be abandoned. So even though I consciously know that, and even though when these things come up, I'm able to say I'm safe, I can provide for myself, I can feed myself, I'm not a baby anymore, like I know that I'm safe, emotionally, my nervous system gets stuck in that past where so much of that pain, that sadness, that shame, that fear comes up in the present. And so sometimes it can feel disconnecting of your mind knows something. Oh, I know this. I know this. So why do I feel this way? But your nervous system is feeling things that are historical. And so there becomes this disconnect to your mind and your body. And trauma healing is all about bridging that gap and connecting mind and body so that those two systems are working together where you can hold both. Okay. I, I hold the fact that, you know, this is historical, that this is not happening in the present, that something in the present is, you know, triggering something in the past. I can hold that. And I can hold the fact that it's still painful, right? Because children don't have the space nor the safety to actually feel their emotions because they're in survival mode. So can you hold the fact that something in the present, even though you consciously know you're safe, even though consciously you know that it's not the same situation, that you're an adult, that you're okay. And can you hold the fact that it brings up a lot of historical pain and how do you tend to that? So the more that we bridge the gap between oh my God, I don't feel safe in this present moment. It feels like I'm back in the past where I was feeling like I was going to die or that my needs weren't going to be met. When we can bridge the gap of that and our minds, right? Bridging the two together and actually bring ourselves back to safety and feel safe to feel the pain. That is when we are able to move through things in a way where we're processing the pain rather than getting dysregulated because we don't feel safe. So that's the main difference is when you first start feeling this pain, 
it doesn't feel safe. It feels like, oh my God, you're telling me I'm safe, but I don't feel safe. And I have totally been there. I totally get it. That is where dysregulation happens, where you feel so upset. You feel so unsafe in your body. You feel like you're reaching for all of those external saving things. You're reaching for the person. You're reaching for the distraction. Mine was TV and food. If I felt unsafe in my body, I would open the cabinet and start like mindlessly snacking. I would start, you know, putting on something to distract me. I wasn't able to just be with what was happening because it felt so unsafe. But now, because I have been with that pain, so we have to be with it within our window of tolerance. So we have to titrate the experience. So we're not going to feel our whole childhood worth of pain in one sitting. We're going to slowly just be with it. And so what does that actually look like? Because some of you might be listening to this and like, okay, great, but how do I do that? So we first notice, step number one, notice. I notice a sensation coming up and it feels really strong and scary. Can I put my hands on my body and take a deep breath? Can I notice where that sensation is in my body? So, okay, I'm feeling my chest tightening. I'm feeling my palms get sweaty. I'm feeling my stomach tightening. Can you put your hand over that part of your body or those parts of your body? Can you breathe with it and get still with it, even just for a few moments? Can you observe it? Can you just notice how it feels? Can you take breaths with it? Can you see if your breath can deepen even just a little bit? And then if you don't feel safe to do this on your own, which is totally okay, I did not feel safe to do this on my own at first. It took a while. Is there a safe nervous system that can co-regulate with you? So co-regulation means that if you don't feel safe to regulate on your own, like last night I had to sit with some pain and I had to regulate my body and show my body I'm safe. Before, I would not be able to do that alone. I would need that other person with me. So if you need someone else who's a safe nervous system where they can just hold you, not try and psychoanalyze it, not try and fix it, not try and just make, make you feel better right away, not any of the quick fixes, but someone that can just be with you and say, I'm here with you as you are with this pain. The problem in our society is that until we have held our own pain, we are not able to effectively hold other pain because it triggers our own pain. If we see someone in pain or we see someone dysregulated, it makes us anxious. It makes us like want to go into fix it problem solving mode. And then we're not able to effectively hold the pain. So this is why it's so important to make sure that you are choosing a safe nervous system that has actually done this work. So when I was in the therapy world, I had not done this work yet on myself. So I was only able to hold so much without my own body feeling anxious, especially as a codependent person. Like if you're not okay, my inner child's like, uh-oh, this person's not okay. <laughs> but now that I've done the work to be with pain, and I know the pain's not going to kill me, even when it feels like it will, I'm able to then hold my clients in such a different way. And I'm still learning how to do that right? There's still such a part of me that has been really good at, you know, being the cheerleader for my clients, being the motivator, being the, you know, like just the, yeah, the cheerleader that I really had to practice being able to sit in what my coach calls the depths of hell, the depths of hell 
with someone. And so meet yourself where you're at, right? Even if, you know, you need some co-regulation and even if your partner can just be there with you or you can call a friend, meet yourself where you're at. But I want you to really practice being with yourself and coming home to yourself, even if it means just tending to these emotions for two moments of your day, three moments. Can you just take three deep breaths with that feeling as it comes up? And the more that you practice doing that, the safer you feel to do it. The amount of shifts I've made, even just this week, has been mind-blowing because what happened would be <clears throat> when I would get dysregulated, meaning I had something come up in the present that triggered something historical, triggered that fear of abandonment, triggered that sadness, that pain, whatever it was that was being triggered, I wouldn't be able to feel safe to feel it. And I would get so dysregulated. I would start crying. I would start you know, reaching for all my behaviors. I would start blowing up my coach's Voxer, like just brain dumping stream of conscious, like, (laughs) and it's okay. It's okay that I did that because that's where I was at. And that's what she's there for is to hold that with me. And something she and I have really been working on is me coming home to me. So my anxious attachment needed to come up with her in order for her to help meet some of those unmet needs from childhood while also redirecting me to me. And that's how secure attachment builds. Okay. I have this person. I'm feeling anxiously attached with them. They're my main attachment, whether this is your mentor, your partner, your friend, your whatever, whoever it is, I'm anxiously attached to them. I'm relying on them to help me meet my needs and that's okay. And how can I slowly start coming home to me where I am meeting my own needs. So this week in particular, I've been so intentional about practicing. I have the urge to blow up her Voxer. I have the urge to get external saving. I want someone to just fix this feeling for me. I want someone to just make it better. No one is coming to save you except you. And the sooner we accept this, the more empowered we can be and the more we can step into our personal power. We are all so much more powerful than we know. The amount of times I hear people say, well, you can do that, but I can't do that. Or, well, it's just different because of my circumstances. We come up with all of the excuses, but there's no excuse greater than your personal power. You can tap into this. You can do this work. You can come home to yourself. You can heal just like anyone else can. We all have nervous systems that need healing. So, oh, that's smoothie. So good. (laughs) So it's practice. It's meeting yourself where you're at. So the first step is noticing, okay, something prompted a trigger. I'm feeling some emotion in my body. Can I take a few moments to myself and just breathe? Notice the sensation, observe it, and then take some time before responding. So I always talk about the trigger and the response, having space in between. So before when I would get triggered and I would respond, that's where the blowing up on the phone. And I used to do this with partners, every partner I dated. If you're an ex of mine and you're watching this or you're listening to this, 
You know what I'm talking about. You would trigger me. I would then blow up your phone with texts. Blah, 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 blah. All my emotions, all my thoughts, all my like brain dumping. And then the person would be like, whoa, she's triggered and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know how to hold this. And their lack of holding it would then make me more triggered. And it would be the cycle because I was relying on them when really it was not their responsibility. It was mine. And they just weren't safe because they had yet to hold their own pain. So they didn't even know how to hold mine at all. We need a balance. We need partners that can hold us and can meet us and can see us in our depths. And we need to practice meeting ourselves. So that just transferred to my mentor, my coach, where if I got dysregulated and triggered, I would. So that's how I would respond when I was dysregulated. So if I'm shifting into secure attachment, if I'm shifting into coming home to myself to feel safe, to be my own anchor of safety, my own anchor of security, I have to relate differently. So what does that look like now? I notice, okay, I'm having this urge but I don't need to do that. She can't save me. She can be there to support me. She can be there to hold me, but she can't save me. I need to sit with what's actually coming up. And so I've been practicing that more and more and more, and it's been fucking painful as shit. It's been so hard, like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And every single time that it happens, it gets a little bit easier. It gets a little bit safer to just come home to myself. And it is the greatest gift I've ever given myself because it means that my safety is no longer dependent on her, on a partner, on family, on anyone else. It means that no matter what comes up, I trust that I can be with it and I feel safe to be with it. And that's why internal safety is the best gift that you can give yourself in the world. Rather than projecting all over each other, blaming other people, using our valid excuses, blaming the world, nothing is going to save you except for you. So meet yourself where you're at and practice. Practice when things come up and it gets triggered and you want to reach for that other thing or person to save you. And practice sitting with it. Literally go sit down in a room, sit with it. Put your hands on your body, touch your body. That helps your nervous system feel safer. Give yourself a hug, be with the pain. And when it feels like it's going to kill you, know that it won't, but meet yourself where you're at. If you need to sit with it for one minute, start there, build up to two minutes, right? And then be really intentional with how you want to respond. So in the past, I would have responded this way. That was coming from my inner child. That was coming from my trigger. Now I want to respond from the present, from my adult self. How can I respond differently? How can I take ownership of what's coming up for me rather than blaming it or making it the other person's fault? When I got triggered this week, it was nothing that the other person was doing wrong. It was all my own stuff coming up. And I used to project because I couldn't sit with the pain or the shame of that coming up. Because when we don't have people that can hold our emotions as children, we develop extreme shame when those big emotions come out. So when my big emotions would come out and I would feel shame around it, or I would feel shame that I felt dysregulated, I would then project and blame or say, oh, it's because you did this or you know, you did this thing and it's wrong and blah, 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 blah. I would make them wrong. 
now I've gotten to this amazing place and I feel so proud of myself. It's like literally the biggest deal on earth. Like I can't even put words to it. It is, if I had a life resume, this would be it. It would be like being able to do this. It's the hardest thing in the world, not blaming the other person, not making them wrong, but actually looking at my own shit and being like, oh yeah, this is mine. Not in a way of shaming, but in a way of deep compassion that, wow, this feels really hard for me. This feels really painful for me. Can I just be with myself? Can I hold myself through that? Can I hold and tend to little me because this feels so scary for her? Can I tend to her? Can I look at her, right? I have a picture of her on my desk. I look at her every day. Look at that cutie. She's a cutie. She went through a lot and that's okay. Most of us go through a lot, if not all of us. And we need to take responsibility for what we went through. It's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to heal it. Because when we don't, we leak all of our shit and trauma onto everyone else. And we perpetuate dysfunction, toxicity, trauma, violence. I mean, imagine what the world would look like if everyone did this work. That is a world I want to live in. So I'm going to wrap up. It's 11-11. Make a wish. And if you are wanting to dive deeper into this work, if you are wanting to learn how to come home to yourself, I am um, currently starting my wait list for the next round of come home to yourself, my women's group for anxiously attached women, because I have some people that didn't get to join this round that wanted to do it. So I'm kind of starting the next round a little bit earlier than planned. So we're kind of having a, a rough wait list going on. Um, so you can apply for that. That is a four month program with 12 modules, all about nervous system, inner child, anxious attachment, healing, how this affects your money, how this affects your career, how this literally is the blueprint for your life. My co-leader, Anna and I are currently enrolling for real men heal round three. This is our three months men's men group men's men's group healing program. English is hard. Uh, we have nine training modules on that. We meet weekly for Zoom calls, and then there's in-between session support through Slack. This current round that just finished up, they friggin' went ham on the Slack, and it just made my life. I was so here for it. They were posting memes. They were supporting each other. They were reaching out when they were struggling. I mean, oh, they just used it. And when you use it, you use the support, you get more out of it. And then we have two one-on-one -on -one spots open. So these spots are really special because they don't open up very frequently. I have a limited amount of one-on-one -on -one spots that I open up at a time because these one-on-one -on -one spots are my highest level of support. So it's a really intimate container. This is my program Insight. This was my first ever program when I started my business. And it is just will always hold a special place in my heart. It is weekly Zoom calls with Monday through Friday Voxer support, which is a voice note and messaging app. So these are the moments when I refer to blowing up my mentor's Voxer late at night when I'm dysregulated. This is the app. So you might be thinking, well, that doesn't sound fun to blow up your Voxer. This is where Voxer boundaries come in. So I've implemented a lot of my own boxer boundaries, both as a client and as um, a healer. So 
It's really, really a beautiful way to connect and touch base during those moments in between sessions that you are really triggered or struggling or having a hard time or even just wanting to celebrate something, right? Like the good and, or I don't even like saying good or bad, the, the happy and the painful times. There is no good or bad. All emotions are neutral, neither good nor bad. They're all great to feel though. Um, so yes, these two spots are open. Each spot is 2000 a month with a three month minimum commitment. So this is the highest level I have. If you are ready to like do a full, full deep dive into your childhood pain, into your wounding, a full nervous system rewiring, that is this work. Um, what else? What else? I have my retreat next week. I, I think I already told you guys about this, but I'm so excited. Not next week. What am I saying? Next month. My retreat is next month, April 27th, 2023 to May 1st. It's four nights. It's in San Diego. It's in this beautiful house in La Mesa, overlooking the mountains. We're going to have private yoga, private sound bone healing, private massages, a private chef cooking us like high quality, eco-friendly, sustainable vegan food, which I'm stoked for. We have a hot tub. We have a water slide. We have a giant pool. We have loungers. We have what else? Group healing sessions, one-on-one check-ins with me. We have workshops. I'm going to be teaching you all about trauma-informed manifestation, attachment wounding, inner child meditations, um, you know, group MCJ, where we do our meditation, chanting, and journaling together as a group. I mean, kayaking, paddleboarding, a luxe picnic on sunset cliffs, a photo shoot, a videographer, like this retreat, you will walk out a new version of yourself. It is at this point, I'm still kind of toying with the idea of opening it to the public, but for right now, it is open to clients only. There are three spots that have been filled already. Um, so if you are wanting to go on the treat and you're also wanting to jump into one of my other containers, I can offer you a bundle price, which is a discounted spot so that you can do both. Um, but at this point it is open to just clients. So because the point is that everyone there has done this work. So even if you're a newer client and you're just starting this work, it's, you know, you're speaking the same language, whereas opening it to the public, it feels like we would be speaking two different languages, but I'm going to sit with it because I've had some requests from <laughs> even like friends or other people. And they're like, I want to come. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. So we're going to sit with it. But for now, it's open to clients only. So if you are wanting to join us, hop in. It's going to be just the most magical four nights. I am so excited. The first retreat that I ever did was in October, last October. Oh, wait. No, March. Yeah, last last October. Why am I not remembering? Oh my God, was it almost a year ago? Yeah, last October. No, that's not right. I don't. I don't know. My brain's not working right now. But either way, when I was over a year ago, my mind is just blown right now. I can't. I feel like that was yesterday. I don't think I'm doing the math right. Anyway, the last retreat was fucking amazing. Like it was so good. I left, and we were all just on cloud nine. But I came home and started planning the next one because my group was like, where's our retreat? So this one, I just kind of took it to the next level because I was like, let's go all in. The first one was just two nights. 
It was on, you know, it was at a cute Airbnb in the ocean. It was beautiful, but this is just like luxury. This is like, let me spoil and pamper you for four nights while also healing some deep shit so that you can leave feeling lighter, more connected to your authentic self, happier, meeting other people that are like-minded and doing the similar work because healing can be so incredibly lonely. The more that you connect to your authenticity, the more you feel disconnected from other people in your life that you've been relating through trauma. And so when you stop relating through your defenses, your protectors, your trauma, and you start relating through your authentic self, you're like, holy shit, I don't have anyone to connect to. And it feels so lonely. So that is why I love doing these in-person retreats where people can connect with one another and they're speaking the same language and they just get it. And they're like, yes, let's heal our inner child. Let's relate through our authenticity, through our power, through our adult selves and let's expand, right? That's why we heal. We heal so that we feel safe in our bodies to expand and create a life beyond our wildest dreams. When we release control and we hold the unknown, something even greater can happen. Like something even more magical. I'll give an example. I am going to Paris this June. I am so excited for it. And I'm going to meet my mentor for the first time. I'm going with two of my best friends, like what is life? And I was holding on to this idea of how I would meet my mentor. And when I let go of that idea and I held space for the unknown, she then invited me to Paris. And I was like, oh my God, this is even more amazing. So when we release the control, we allow the universe to deliver something even better than our minds can fathom. We can't even fathom it. It's not our jobs to. Our job is to hold the faith, release the, the need to know of the how, and allow the universe to bless us with all the magic. That's why it's called co-creation. You have to do your part, and then the universe meets you. You move, the universe responds. So that's a whole other topic. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up because it's, it's very long. Thank you guys for being here. If you want to jump in any of these containers, my DMs are open or head to the link in my bio to apply. And there's just so many good things. I have a new offer coming out soon, which I'm really excited for. And all the things. Life gets to be so good, but you have to sit with your shit. You have to sit with your pain. You can't run away from it or else you just suffer. So no matter how old you are, where you are, where you are in your healing journey, if you haven't even started a healing journey, no matter what, it is never too late to choose you. It is never too late to start a deep healing journey. It will change your life and you will feel more than you will ever felt before. And as a result, you will get to experience pure magic and a life that feels so good. Doesn't mean life isn't painful. Life is going to be painful. That's life. It means you get to feel safe to be with the pain so that you actually can fully experience the magic and the freedom on the other side. So always take time to come home to you. I love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. I will see you next week for morning tea. And if you're listening to this on the pod, feel free to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world. I realize I talk a lot with my hands like this. And I will see you guys next week. Love you all so much.